Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It took 50 million years for whales to grow to the 300,000 pounds that we now know and love. Will that be enough to survive human-driven habitat and climate change? From CPL Radio Online, this is Book of the Day. It's October 20th, 2022 in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. I'm Jeff Messerman. Thanks for joining us today. You know, whales are considered the most enigmatic creatures on Earth, and the same can be said for our Book of the Day critic at large, Steve Donahue. <laughs> Steve, good, good day to you, sir, for this first episode. Good day to you as well, and all my fellow patrons of the Cedarburg Public Library and all the ships at sea. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. We'll, we'll try to get to everybody. That's the goal. Uh, we're talking up a little cetacean science today. The book is Spying on Whales by Nick Pyanson. Uh, I'd have to add, there we are, paperback in Boston, and uh, Cedarburg has hardcover. Um, Steve, what was your uh, reading experience like on this one? Well, I am a big fan of natural history books of any kind. I've read uh, you know, I've spent an enormous amount of time on the Earth's waters and an enormous amount of time in Boston and an enormous amount of time in the depths of Herman Melville's Moby Dick. <laughs> so so, so uh, whales are, I've read a million books on whales. When this thing came along, it was an absolutely natural candidate <laughs> to read. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, one could argue that all nature and ecology books written after the year 2000 are kind of doom and gloom. Am I going to hate myself after reading this, asking for a friend? <laughs> well, I don't want to introduce an element of doom and gloom either, but your opening question has only one answer. <laughs> okay to say. It has only one answer. I wanted to get out of the way as fast as possible. <laughs> There are right now only a tiny handful, you can count them on the fingers of one hand, nations that still defy the international whaling ban and hunt whales for food or resources. Uh, but that number is going to quintuple in the next 20 years. And, and it only takes a few more such powers using satellite technology 
and sonar confusion technology to literally herd whales from hundreds of miles away. It only oh, takes boy. a little of that to to bring these species to the edge of extinction and beyond. I mean, they they have an enormous gestation period, so you don't need to disrupt much. So no. your answer only your question only has one answer, but nevertheless, the book is full of wonder. The, the book is not doomy and gloomy at all. Some wonderful uh, illustrations in there. I don't know if the uh, author Alex himself. Yeah. No, Alex Forsma did the Okay. okay. Uh, beautiful, beautiful stuff. The, uh, the author is, has enough on his plate. <laughs> right? Since he, he's the curator of fossil marine mammals at the Smithsonian's Natural History Museum. I was going to say, it looks like he has an absolute uh, predilection for bones. <laughs> so, um, Since which, clearly at, this, at the heart of one of the most exciting uh, stories in paleobiology that there is, which is the attempt to trace the entire evolutionary trail of modern whales that came from land. They came from the ocean, they went onto land, and they went back to the ocean. And you figure transitional species like Pachycetus or Ambulocetus will necessarily, if that transition is going to happen, they will necessarily be spending their entire lives, generations of lives, thousands of years, tens of thousands of years in estuarine environments, in low tidal environments, there'll, there'll have been tens of thousands of years where they were both a land and a sea animal. It's amazing. And that means there should be an ample fossil record, and there is. So <laughs> Piazon has a lot to keep him busy all day, unlike some people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Uh, I know why you have uh, such a uh, fascination with whales. Uh, anybody who knows you and has watched your YouTube channel for long enough knows that you like dogs. And according to this book, whales are basically dogs initially. <laughs> so I see I see your well, natural love. <laughs> that's a pretty big initially. <laughs> no, I, I love them more for more immediate reasons. And the reasons connect with why I love this book so much. Because I've spent an enormous amount of time on Earth's oceans. And never on a cruise ship, almost never on a ship that had diesel power. It's almost always been wind-driven vessels. Wow. And when you are on a wind-driven vessel uh, at night, and maybe the, maybe the organisms, the tiny little microorganisms in the water, sometimes they will bioluminesce. So you will be sailing along, no land for 100 miles in any direction, the endless vault of the sky, of the stars overhead. But the water will be like an, an aquatic aurora borealis. It will just be shifting and shaping like that. And let's say you're trailing your finger along the side or you're talking to your dogs or whatnot, and then suddenly, a living being the size of an island surfaces next to you. And there's this, I don't know, I don't know how many of, of, your, uh, of, our, of our audience will have ever heard, for instance, a gigantic cathedral organ. It's, imagine that only not making noise, but instead letting out an enormous breath of air, an, an amount of air that would fill a gigantic auditorium all in one set of lungs. And this thing is glistening under the starlight and its mass is black in that bioluminescent aurora borealis, and it's gigantic. It could destroy you completely with the smallest flick, but it doesn't. And you don't have to be, you don't have to have that happen to you more than once to realize this creature knows I'm here. In a different way Remarkable. than Remarkable. bioluminescent organisms or little fish or even sharks, this creature knows I'm here. It doesn't just know that something's here. It knows that I'm here and that I'm not food, and that I'm not a danger. 
it's an eerie experience. I've had that happen to me on virtually every ocean and sea in the world by virtually every kind of whale. So I was I was primed to be interested in a, in a book like this. That's remarkable. You know, uh, reading just I haven't had a chance to read it just yet, but I certainly hope to. And uh, uh, I know that it takes a fair amount of food to sustain all of that girth. And it's a remarkable that they chose not chose not to make you food. <laughs> that alone is well, actually, stunning. That, that, uh, I mean, I, I felt that sense of wonder that I just described every single time. I admit that sense of wonder is mixed with other emotions when the whale in question is a sperm whale or a pod of killer whales. <laughs> because they... <laughs> They could eat you <laughs> if they wanted to. They could. They don't want to, but they could if they wanted to. It's important to remember, though, the largest living animal, as Pynson says in his book, the largest living animal that has ever lived on Earth is a blue whale. And it gets that big specifically because eating meat is very wasteful. It's a very wasteful way to get your energy. Far better to just open your gigantic gob and swallow down an enormous football field of krill. That is far easier to do, and there's nothing. They're nothing but protein. So. It's the ultimate drive-through, isn't it? <laughs> okay, Steve. So I've got a patron in front of me right now, and uh, they seldom depart from uh, Patterson and <clears throat> Colleen Hoover lately. Uh, how do I get that patron to add this book to their checkout pile? What can we do? Well, I don't know the rules of our of our book a day club. I'd love to read a bit from the book. Would that be possible? That would absolutely be possible. Let's do, let's do that. There's a lovely bit here uh, that I, I put a little uh, marker at the bit here. The, the, the simple answer to the question is uh, because whether you've seen them or not, these things are, are astonishing. The, the simple answer to the question is one that most people are not going to want to hear, which is that really well-written nonfiction is far more entertaining <laughs> than, than average written fiction. There is no reason why you have to idle along just sort of watching some bored schlockmeister tick boxes when you can be learning about the world where you actually live in luminous prose. <laughs> but I want to read. I want to. <laughs> Between you and Mr. Pyenson, I think we're there, but go ahead. <laughs> I want to, to, uh, to quote just a bit from the book, just to give you a taste of what, what this is. We individuate whales as a way to know them, to chip away at their mystery, whether it's a fragment of skull or a unique squiggle of an acoustics click waveform, or a distinct modeling on a tail fluke. We give individual whales familiar names or alphanumerics to differentiate them from their kin, as if that somehow circumscribes their enigma, easing our inquiry into their history and lives. Individual whales matter because they sometimes carry the superlatives that scientists bestow. Individuals are, after all, tied to the records of the largest, the deepest, the first, and sometimes the last. But this is how science happens. Collect these individuals together under a specific question or line of inquiry, and you can build a broader picture that begins to illuminate the inaccessibility of whales. I interrogate individuals when I pick up a skull or a bone and ask, who are you? That's my starting point for discovery. And I know that chain of questioning is not unique to me. It's the same question asked to the plug of tissue stuck in a biopsy dart or through the observation panel of an aquarium gazing at a captive dolphin. Who are they? That's the ultimately all we want to know about whales. That's that's rather engaging prose. It sells itself. Good <laughs> prose. Very delicious prose. Absolutely. Yeah. And the element that it underscores is the element in this book. That's the one thing I don't want to mislead people about. 
it, the, the title of this book is extremely aptly chosen because like I mentioned, when you're on the water like that and a whale chooses to visit you, they come out of an absolutely endless black nowhere. They take a long breath, they take a huge breath in, they look at you, they look at you, they say, what is this? Then they take an enormous other breath and disappear back into that darkness. And that's what the book means when it says spying on whales, is that we, we don't know what whales do all day. <laughs> we don't know, we don't know most of where they go. Some of them are tagged, but even then there are mysteries. I, I think that's fascinating. I have enough trouble getting my girth around enigmatically, so imagine that. I mean, that's a fascinating thing. And so far, the Cedarburg Public Library chain has been unsuccessful in tagging you. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're getting there, believe me. Uh, so the neurology department says it's because you're troublesome. But all the other departments say is because they're not all that interested in tracking your mating habits. <laughs> Well, either explanation. We can go with either one. <laughs> There's an app for that now. Um, <laughs> we won't go there. Spying on Whales is the book uh, available here in the Monarch Library System and available in this very building, uh, hopefully within the next two weeks. And uh, this show will be available to you, the listener and viewer, Monday through Friday. It's an episode one. We're uh, finding our way, although obviously we uh, didn't have to synchronize our watches today. Just our shirts so that worked out very well you shouldn't and... get your hopes up that we're going to do that every time <laughs> we're nerdy but we might not be that nerdy <laughs> i'd like to talk to you after the show about straightening these collars i don't i'm having i'm struggling so i don't know well let's see what we can do steve you can find uh on youtube uh, primarily also open letters review which is your uh, online review site which has been chugging along for some time and the christian science monitor and the walls the Martha's Vineyard Gazette, quite a bit of whaling done off Martha's Vineyard. There we are. <laughs> and also Big Canoe News in northern Georgia. You have been busy. I like that. <laughs> All right. We, we only like busy people on this show. We'll be back tomorrow with another book. We're not going to tell you what it is because that's the joy of returning, and that's the joy of library, libraries, and that's the joy of Steve Donahue. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.